All right, folks, g'day. Sorry you get to put up with me Wednesday and Sunday. As Pastor David said, come anyway on Sunday. <laughs> That's all right, brother. My poor wife has to put up with me all the time. All right, praise the Lord. It's, uh, it's been great to be back again. We uh, had a great camp. For those that were there, I'm sure you agree that it was a fantastic time. Had a good day yesterday. We went out to Port Adelaide and spoke to some people there. A couple of people got baptised in the sea at 9.30 last night. It was very exciting, both filled with the Holy Spirit. So yes, it's, uh, it's great to be back. Well, we're going to look at some scriptures in, uh, in 2 Corinthians to start with. Chapter 4. We see Paul writing here, I guess he must have had the creation in mind. He says in verse 6, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And so back in the beginning, as we read in Genesis, God spoke and out of nothing was formed everything that we see now. And in the beginning was darkness, but when God spoke, the light appeared. It must have been something quite amazing to see how that, uh, whether we think it was a big bang or how it might have started. You know, in the beginning there was nothing. It doesn't matter. I don't think you can have a big bang out of nothing. But whatever happened, God created it. And he gave us uh, this difference. He showed us a demonstration right from the very beginning of the difference between light and darkness. And I guess that is what he has continued to show us right down through the ages, isn't it? The difference between light and darkness. In everything that he has done, he's offered us a choice. I guess you can't, can't really offer people a choice unless you show them a difference between one and the other. There's got to be something to choose between. It's all well and good to say you can have this one and there's something else as well. But he has shown us the difference between light and darkness. And of course, the verse describes to us how that it's been done according to Jesus Christ. The same power which moved back there in the beginning that caused everything that we see to appear uh, has been placed inside of us, it says there. That uh, he, has, uh, he has shined in us. That uh, we have now received uh, the, the same understanding of the difference between light and darkness. And I think back to the time when I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and I remember before I came to the Lord, uh, my mum was a Sunday school teacher, never mind. And she gave us a little Bible to read right from the very beginning. One of the first things I can remember trying to read, a, a comic book version of the Bible with all the, the Bible stories and stuff like that. And I remember as I got a bit older, I thought, well, this is the right thing to do. So I tried to read it, but it was too hard. You get a, a few words here and a few words there and a, a lot of stuff in between that didn't make any sense. And I remember the time that I was filled with the Holy Spirit, suddenly all of those pieces began to fit together and they made sense. And I could begin to understand just what it was that God always intended to do. I realized that he knew me when he said, let there be light back there in the beginning. He knew every one of us and he knew where we would be and he knew what we would do and what we would become. And he set it all in motion to bring us to this point in time. And all of the, the plan of God, I, I didn't know much when I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I just knew that there was a God. But slowly it began to come to light in my life began to make sense because of what Jesus had done for me, of the Holy Spirit that he had placed within me. 
And he says there, down in verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. After thinking of this wonderful power and this understanding and this victorious life that the Lord has placed before us, it's almost a bit of a come down, isn't it? We've got this wonderful power and it's in this bag of bones. The Lord created it there in the beginning. He set it all in motion. He showed us the examples down through the ages. He fulfilled it in our lives. But we've, we've got this Achilles heel, this body that we carry it around in for the time being. And it says there that, that the glory, the excellency of the power may be of God. There's a reason for what the Lord has done in everything that he does. There is a reason. So keeping that in mind, let's go over to Ephesians and chapter 1. We'll pick it up in verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. That's truly what he's done. You know, to think of the things that Christ has promised us, that he has prepared for us all of the wonderful life that lies ahead of us. These things that are there. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. That where I am, there you may be also. Wonderful blessings in heavenly places that we've been lifted up into, out of this world, and that we're looking forward to. And he says uh, uh, over in verse 11, In whom we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his own will. People get a bit worried about this word predestination. I, I look at it as if, Really what God is saying to us from the beginning, as I said a moment ago, he knew us and he put a plan in motion. He made it possible so that we could be like Jesus. It's not to say that there is no choice in anything that happens to us. God is predestinated and it might be this or it might be that and it doesn't matter what I do because God has predestinated it. That's not what God is saying at all. And our whole walk in the Lord depends upon our choice. And uh, we have to realize that our salvation really sits in our own hands. It's up to us as to what we do with what God has given us and how we use it and how we walk on in his spirit. So th there's no taking away of choice. Everything depends on the choice that we make. But God made it possible so that we could be like this. He set a plan in motion. He sent his son so that we could be like him, so that we could be lifted up into these heavenly places in time to come, in the ages to come. And then he says in verse 12, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ. That we should be to the praise of his glory. I guess there are two ways to look at this particular verse. Yes, our lives should be to the praise of his glory. as a testimony in the things that we do, in the way that we live our life. Uh, whatever it is that we find ourselves doing, wherever we may be, People should see that there's something about us. When we open our mouth and we tell them of the hope that lies inside of us, people should realise that we are different. And in a sense, it's not that we try to be so different. You know, there are people in this world who, who reckon that Christians have got to live a holy life, but they've got this distorted view of what a holy life really is. When we say holiness, we think about holiness, we think of people who, who don't smoke and don't drink and don't go to discos, don't do all sorts of other things, no womanizing and all this sort of stuff. These are holy people. 
You know, I meet a lot of people who, uh, who claim that now they are God's children. They don't sin anymore. They're, they're sort of like a cut above everybody else. And they somehow make you feel inadequate. Oh, I'm not up to their standard. They want you to think that. They want you to think, oh, you know, I'm special. I'm better than you. I'm holier than you. You know, our holiness isn't that, even though that is our lifestyle in a sense. But it's not that we live that lifestyle to prove that we are God's children. It's rather a consequence that comes of being in the Lord, a consequence that comes of walking in the Spirit. And these things are manifested in our lives. But that's even not what holiness is. You know, according to the word that's used in the Greek, excuse me, Brother Nick, it's a word hagios. And, and it means someone who is separated, you know, the ecclesia, the church, they are the separated ones. And when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we are separated from the world and we are prepared for God's use. We're ready to do his work. That's what holiness is in the scriptures. The ones who are separated from the world, who are sanctified by the Holy Spirit and prepared to do the work that God has And so the Bible definition of holiness is not the idea that the world has of holiness. But nonetheless, it's the life that we live because we are the children of God, because his spirit dwells within us. And so as we walk in the spirit and we we look to do the things that Christ has left for us, these are the things that people will see in us. So I guess that's one way of, of looking at holiness. Our lives should be that testimony, that example. But there's another way of looking at it here, and it says that, We should be to the praise of his glory. And we said a a moment ago that we have this wonderful power that created the heavens and the earth in this bag of bones. That the glory, the excellency of the power is obviously of God. It's not of us. There's nothing that we can do about it. Nothing that that we could do to justify ourselves before God, to, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We can't do it. There is no way that we can live up to the standard that God expects. And that's why he sent his son. If we, could, if we could justify ourselves, if we could live that sort of lifestyle, why did Jesus come? He had to come. And so the salvation that we received in the beginning shows the glory of God. And our lives as we walk on and the things that happen in our lives and the things that happen to us should also show the glory of God. And when things come across our path, and they do, You know, our our sister's talking about a life more abundantly, not an easy life in a sense. That's true. Jesus said, in this world, you shall have tribulation. There are going to be difficulties. We often say Jesus is coming back for the overcomer. If there was nothing to overcome, who would he be coming back for? What would you be doing? Yes, there are things that we must overcome. But we don't have to do anything about it. When something happens to us, when something comes across our path, when, when some tragedy happens in our life or, or just everyday things, the glory should be of God. And we have to realise that, that, that it is God who has made the promises. It is God who will fulfil his word in us, that the glory may be of God. We don't suddenly have to make ourselves more holy. That's not possible. Saved is saved. And, and if someone should be here tonight and hear the word of God and respond to that, be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, they're ready to enter the kingdom of God. And, and as, as Sister Faye was saying, if they should walk out there and, and get run over by a bus, they've made it. They didn't have time to pray, didn't have time to read their Bible, 
didn't have time for fasting or any of these other things that we know are necessary in our walk in the Lord, but they'll be ready to meet the Lord in the air. As I look around here, I see a bit of grey power around the place. Uh, so I know if I talk about LPs, you know what I'm talking about. You kids, don't worry about it. Ask your parents afterwards. You know, they used to get these funny black vinyl things. They used to put music on them and you'd put them on a turntable and they spin around. And the first time you took it out of the sleeve and you put it on the turntable, it was the best it would ever be. You know, it, the, it played the best you would ever hear from that particular piece of vinyl. Afterwards, bits of dust get on it, it gets a bit scratched and the needle itself damages the tracks and it gets crackly and pops and all sorts of stuff. So it's never as good as the first time you played it. You know, when we are baptised and filled with the Holy Spirit, we're like LPs, fresh out of the sleeve, as good as we'll ever get, ready to meet the Lord in the air, there and then. And everything else that we do as we walk on in the Lord is about maintaining that, keeping ourselves there, keeping ourselves ready, making sure there's not too many scratches and not too much dust on us. We don't make too many snap, crackle and pops as we spin around on the turntable. And so when the Lord saves us, we are saved. And so we can't make ourselves any better than saved. Saved is saved. So maintaining that is what our walk in the Lord is about. And as we do these things, we are learning to trust the Lord, learning that he will fulfill his word and fulfill his promises, that the glory may be of God. We don't have to do any more. If we're walking in the spirit, if we're reading our Bible and praying, when things happen, we can't do anything to justify the blessing of God in our lives. Whatever the problem might be, whether it's a healing, you know, in, in South Africa, as I said, down at the camp, we get paid monthly. There's always too much month left at the end of the money, you know. You're always looking for something in your walk in the Lord. There's lots of things that happen to people in their lives. Emotional distresses, physical problems, whatever it is, the glory will be of God. All we have to do is trust him. You know, we wonder about our faith and building our faith up. We are a people of faith. And all the people said, Amen. you know, Paul says, he that comes to the Lord must know that he is, that comes to God asking for something, must know that he is. We of all people know that God is. As I just said a moment ago, when I was filled with the Holy Spirit, I didn't know much, but I knew there was a God. There was no doubt in my mind. Before that, I hoped there was a God, believed it because mum said so. Maybe one day if I was good enough, which I doubted, I, I might get to heaven or something like that, whatever that may be. But I wasn't sure about anything. The moment I was filled with the Holy Spirit, I knew there was a God. There was no doubt in my mind. And so for all of us, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we know that there is a God. And we have already tasted that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. That's when he filled us with the Holy Spirit. He said, God said back in the Old Testament, he said, you will find me when you seek for me with all your heart. And that's what we did. So we know what faith is about. And that grows in us as we hear the word week by week, meeting by meeting, the testimonies, all of these things encourage us. They remind us of what God has promised us. So there is faith. We know that he is. And we know that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. What more do we have to do? We don't have to do anything. we just got to trust him. We just have to know that the glory will be of God and that our lives will go forward by the glory of God. And whatever it is that comes against us, God has said, I'll take care of it. And so these are the two ways that I look at this particular verse. 
One, yes, there is a, a lifestyle. There are, there are things that we don't do. Paul said, all things are lawful for me, but all things don't edify. They don't help us in this walk in the Lord. They don't help us to, to, to uh, uh, preach the gospel and to comfort the brethren. So we, uh, we're careful about the things that we do. Paul said, he that strives for the mastery is, is temperate, is self-controlled in all things. That's how we should be. But as well as that, our lives show his testimony. When I had no strength of my own, when I could do nothing myself, when I was at the, the end of my rope, God came and God fulfilled his promise because I trusted him. Praise the Lord. Um, maybe a, a story back in the Gospels, back in John. John chapter 9. Just a little example here. Verse 1, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? I guess that's a pretty typical reaction, isn't it? When things happen, whose fault is this? Maybe even yourself, when something happens in your life, your first reaction is, why, Lord? What did I do? What's wrong? You know, there's a verse back in Ecclesiastes that says, the race is not to the strong or the swift. It says, but time and chance happens to them all. Time and chance happens to us. Good things, sorry, bad things happen to good people. You can be in the, the wrong place at the wrong time and bad things will happen in your life. That's the way it is. It's nobody's fault. It's just the way that this life is. So these guys wanted to know whose fault is it that this man is blind? His parents, something he did. And Jesus said in verse 3, Neither has this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. When things happen in our lives, don't run around looking for a blame or a cause or a reason. Just know that this is an opportunity for God to be glorified in your life. No matter what the situation, our lives should be to the praise of his glory. And they will be as we just trust his word. And so there is no one to blame. So many things happen in this life, which are just chance and circumstance. But as we trust the Lord, as we're not going to go on and read the rest of this story here, but we see that, of course, there was a mighty miracle worked and the guy's eyes were opened and so on. People couldn't believe it. Even his own parents were afraid to, to admit it to what had happened here. But it was, it was an opportunity for God to be glorified. And the things that happen in our lives are just opportunities for God to be glorified. We've just got to trust him. Just know that he is faithful. He will do as he says he will do. We just have to leave things in his hands. Just carry on doing the things that we've been always doing. Walking in the spirit. Building ourselves up. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Reading his word. Getting out there and talking to people or comforting the brethren. Whatever our little part is that we play in the body of Christ. There's a part for all of us. There's a job for everyone. And as we just carry on doing that and knowing that whatever happens tomorrow, God will be there and he'll take care of tomorrow. And the day after that, he'll be there and he'll take care of the next day and so on. That God may be glorified in us. It's just an opportunity for his, his wonderful power and his love and his care and his, his compassion to be shown in our lives. 
Over in Hebrews, chapter 5. <clears throat> we read of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, maybe we go back to verse 5. It says, So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. As uh, he says also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication, was strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared. Verse 8, Though he were a son... Yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. That's an amazing verse. We're talking about our Lord Jesus Christ here, the only begotten of the Father, the perfect, spotless, sinless Lamb of God, who offered up himself for the sins of the world, as we're reading here. And it says he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. Jesus Christ had things to learn. Seems almost hard to comprehend, but he did. The, Lord, the, the scriptures are telling us here. He learned obedience. And in verse 9, he was made perfect. Being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. That's us. He's the captain. He's gone first and he's made it open for us to become perfect also. And so the things which happened to our Lord Jesus were there for a purpose. Not just the, the overall purpose of making the way possible for us to enter into salvation, but also that he might learn and understand. And so for us also, the things that happen in our lives are for a purpose. You know, the, the Lord says, every son whom he loves, he chastens. It's another aspect, I guess, maybe a little different from what we're talking about at the moment, but, but God chastens us. He corrects us. He's preparing us for, for all sorts of things that lie in front of us. He's making sure that we're ready to take our place where he has gone to prepare for us. And, uh, and so he corrects us when we wander off the path, when we need to get our focus back on the right things. You know, maybe it's a tap on the shoulder, or maybe it's a talk. You know, different things that happen to us to correct us. And the things that happen in our lives, they're opportunities for God to be glorified so that we can learn to trust him, learn to be obedient to his word, not trying to take matters into our own hands but realising that our strength lies in trusting God. And, and that brings me, I guess, to the, the, the scripture in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. <clears throat> I think these are all well-known verses tonight. Paul is talking about a, a thorn in the flesh. I know there's been a lot of conjecture over the years about what that might have been. My own personal take is that perhaps he was having some problems with his eyesight. Something uh, which would, in our generation, be as simple as that, I guess. But, you know, in, in Galatians, Paul talks about uh, these people who respected him for the gospel that he brought and so on, the things that he taught them, that if it was possible, they'd pluck out their own eyes and give them unto him. Why would they pluck out your eyes and give them to somebody unless he needed them? Paul says in a few places, uh, look what a, a long letter I've written with my own hand. That shouldn't be a, a big deal for a man who was educated, a man of letters as Paul was. 
Uh, and yet, maybe he was having problems in, in seeing and reading and writing. I guess that would be a, a very difficult thing for a man like Paul. He couldn't, couldn't see to read the word of God anymore. Couldn't study it for himself. Would have been a great thing in his life. Whatever it was, I'm, I'm surmising here. It's just a guess, really, on my part. But anyway, there was something in his life that was troubling him. And it says there that he sought the Lord. And uh, in verse 9, he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, these bags of bones, our weakness, our limit. You know, man's extremity is God's opportunity. When we can't go any further, when there's nothing more that we can do, God's strength can be made perfect in us. So Paul goes on to say, he concludes, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I don't think that means he enjoyed them. None of us enjoy it. I remember when my own father used to chastise me when I was a, a young boy. I never enjoyed it. He always told me it was going to hurt him more than it hurt me. I never believed him personally. But... <laughs> and so it, it wasn't that Paul enjoyed these things. He took some sort of sadistic pleasure in them. But he knew in his weakness, in his limitation... God would be glorified. Therefore, he says in verse 10, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. The same is so true for us. When we are weak, then we will be strong. When we realize that we can't do it, whatever it may be in our lives, whatever we need in our lives, we can't do it ourselves. When we realize that and, and take our hands off the wheel, then God can move in and take over. His name will be glorified. It will be evident that he has done something for us. It's just an opportunity for God to be glorified in us, that our lives should be under the praise of his glory. We've got something to learn. We're all learning. We're all growing. We're all being shaped and molded and prepared for things that are to come. This is kind of like school. I, I guess you think back to yourselves when you were in school. Maybe when you're there and when you were there, it seemed pretty terrible. Hard and, you know, there's pressure on you to perform and so on. But after you get out of school, these days, maybe it's senility, but you wish you were back there again. You know, it was the best time of your life. Yeah? And, 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 and then when you look at your life afterwards, well, that's difficult. And there are things that you've got to deal with day by day and so on. I kind of wonder, in a sense... If, if what we have in front of us isn't like that. This is the school. We're learning now. We're being corrected and prepared for the real life. Life more abundantly. I'm not suggesting that it's going to be hard and, and difficult and painful like this life is. But I'm suggesting that the responsibilities are going to be magnified. I'm suggesting that there's going to be a, a lot that's expected of us in the life to come. And so the Lord is preparing us now and teaching us we don't have to do it ourselves to rely on him so that we are prepared for whatever unfolds in front of us in the eternities. You know, this life is, is such a brief thing, but it's a time when God is shaping us and he is showing his glory in our lives. And the people around us can see that. You know, people are able to perceive that, you know, this man was in trouble, this lady was in trouble, that situation happened, but something miraculous occurred and God was able to take control. So our lives, when we are weak, when we recognize that, then God is strong 
and he is able to perform for us. And so as we just trust him, really, that's it. Just trust him. We know it. There's no doubt about it. We just have to trust him. No doubt. Just know that he will always come through for us and we will be strong in the Lord. And all the people said...